The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Alivet. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. Please be advised this episode deals with miscarriage, infant death, grief and emotional distress. If you're struggling, please listen with caution and if you need help, refer to the resources in the show notes. Welcome back to Emma's story. We took a pause after hearing some of the incredibly challenging, doesn't really cut it, the heartbreaking things that she had faced so far on this journey. If you're ready, take a listen to the rest of her story. So how did you manage to get back on the horse of the fertility journey? Like that must have been, I know you've talked about the power of positive thinking, Mm -hmm. but wow, that's a big thing to get your head around to then go, okay, we are still driving to have living babies. Mm. I mean, some may say that I'm just a very stubborn person. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wonderful quality. Um, I think um, so many things that existed before still exist, i.e. you still are a team working for something together, you still want this as your end goal. Well, I, you know, we both did at that time. Um, we've both got, you know, avenues and access to the things that we can, like the strategies that we can use. I still can afford to see an acupuncture weekly, etc. Um, but you've now got new information as well and that I'm like, okay, so I can, I can get pregnant. I know that now. I can carry a baby. I, I know that now. I can, I can even do it with twins. I can do that now. I've got new learnings. I won't push myself in high heat and work and all that. I'll do it differently this time. So I don't know. You just, you, if, if you want to and if you can, you do. Yeah. But then I guess you, you get your beautiful egg donor, you, you put Correct. that embryo back in or implanted or whatever the technical term is, and it doesn't take. At that point, though, with after the immense grief of Ella and Alfie and then yet another setback, does that kind of give you pause that maybe I need a moment? Mm, that was... I felt that one, um, and that was the last time we we tried with with a, a team of people as opposed to just us trying. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last time I found that really really hard because I, it had taken quite a quite a lot to gear up for that. Yeah, um, and I did think, um, okay, so yes, it's my eggs that maybe haven't been great quality, but maybe. Physically, I can do this now. And that time was like, well, we had great ingredients from Matthew. We had great ingredients from this wonderful, wonderful woman, Trish. And it was my body who let that next one down. It was my body that didn't do that. And there's so much, oh, oh. There's a touch of hate, self-hatred in there, isn't there? I don't know. I, I, so that was hard. That was really, really hard. And at, after that, I just I just don't think I had it in me anymore. That was hard. And we said we'd um, take, a, take a little break to kind of refresh our energy and zhuzh ourselves back up again. Um, and I would do some running and, you know, things like that. But, um, 
Yeah, well, it was hard after that. I couldn't get myself back into it after that. And um, sort of probably a year after that, I, you know, said to Matthew, I don't think I can keep trying anymore. I don't think we can. I think I'm done. And I think it was actually a a Tony Robbins conference that kind of... outed me. I've outed you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I guess they they encourage you to unpack, you know... Your traumas, and I've, from what I've seen, I think I've watched a Tony Robbins documentary that maybe there is some powerful stuff that happens there. Well, credit where credit's due. I, I um, we received, I received um, two tickets to a Tony Robbins event um, as part of something else that I bought. It was like go to this, you know, four day Tony Robbins event, and I said to. Matthew, do you want to go? Come along with me. Like it's four days in Sydney. It'll be what it'll be. It's free. We may as well, you know. But I was, it's like, oh, Tony Robbins, how embarrassing. (laughs) Tony Robbins. But it was phenomenal. It was incredible. And I've done many Tony Robbins courses since then. It was amazing. And yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it's, I mean, I've I've had really wonderful work with a therapist, like I mentioned, the psychologist. I've had amazing people support me along this way. I've listened to excellent podcasts. I've read all the books. Not quite, but um. Maybe it was standing on the shoulders of giants in that moment of, um, you know, maybe it wasn't Tony Robbins, maybe it was just everything culminating at once. But, yeah, things shifted for me in that Tony Robbins course and I um, came to terms with the fact that I didn't want to keep trying anymore, that I needed to not. Yeah, so Tony Robbins, yeah, Mm. man. Unleash the power within. It's <laughs> a hard recommend by the sounds of it. <laughs> we did firewalking at the end. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Dub, 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 so, dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should pay you a commission. <laughs> now, at this point, your health is uh, taking a little bit of a turn for the worse. Is that correct? And so, so what happened? Yeah, so forward? my health, I'm a, I am very lucky that I have good health. Um, I, again, I think, you know, genetics, upbringing, privilege, etc. I, I have good health. Um, but the mind-body connection is a very strong thing and the combination of, um, yeah, ye- years of trying and being incredibly focused on that. There's some PTSD type stuff in there. There's some loss of identity stuff in there. Absolutely. There's some very stuck between a rock and a hard place stuff in there and that I knew that at that point I didn't want to keep trying but I also knew that my husband would be absolutely devastated at the thought of not continuing to try. It's his biggest life wish to have living children, I think. Um, maybe not. Forgive me if that's not right, Matthew. Just, um, you know, it was strong in him. Mm. And I wanted to be part of that team with him and I wanted to give him something that he really, really wanted, but I also knew that I was done. And those, all of that kind of trauma and feeling and it's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard placeness manifested in my body, manifested in my body, manifested in me um, kind of having these waking seizure things, which, um, you know, maybe we don't go into the detail of this because I won't, I won't articulate it properly and accurately from a medical mm. psychological point of view. So I wouldn't want to give anybody the wrong intel, but yeah, they manifested physically. And I guess at that point, if you're having sort of seizures, they're going to go. They're going to be looking at your brain and considering epilepsy and all of those things. So that was ruled out that th- this was very much a physical manifestation of 
emotional well, issues? You know, another moment of strategy tension, I think, <sighs> um, for the for my GP and my psychologist. Um, they seem to come to that conclusion very swiftly. Um, my inner self um, felt that that was right for whatever that's worth. But, you know, my inner self was like, yeah, I can kind of see that. They didn't, they didn't really explain to me at the time um, what was happening in order to manifest it. But I sort of was like, yeah, I think this is a mind-body thing. Yeah. Um, I think that my husband and others were like, hey, let's just run down all the physical things first of all. Um, so, again, competing, competing strategies from people who love you and who want the best for mm. you and who don't want you to be having seizureist-type things. And so another tricky spot to navigate, yeah. And how did you manage to get on top of them or... What, what happened? Um, they, through various um, aspects of things, Tony Robbins helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> My psychologist helped a lot. People helped a lot. They, they tapered, which was really good. And then when I finally had sort of really made that, came to that realisation myself and um, with that kind of, I think the lingo these days is that deep knowing within myself that I didn't want to keep trying for more living children. And I expressed that to my husband and that was awful um, for him, awful for me, awful experience. Um, making that decision in myself, they ceased. Wow. So it was something that you didn't want to have to say, but you really needed to say. I think so. To myself, say it to myself as much as say it to him. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be, this might be revisionist history. This might be me reverse engineering a story, but that seems to be the way it happened. Yeah. And you haven't had any since? I've had a few since, and there are times where I have to be, uh, I can feel that I'm, that one's sort of coming on, um, but those, you know, a handful over the last three years, um, and a cluster of them when I sort of realised how devastating that decision was for our family unit. Um, and thought, oh, come on, Emma, gear up. You can do this again. I mean, I'm 48, for goodness sake. I'm, I'm not exactly a spring chicken. I'm, you know, I was having perimenopausal symptoms by that stage, but I was like, no, we can do this. We can do this. You're going um, back to that mental strength. I just have yeah, to be tough. I've got to do it. I can uh, do it. Um, and, yeah, I had, a, I had a little cluster then. Mm. The infertility is such a um, draining thing on a relationship. Um, and you and Matthew went through such a, a tough time of it and a horrible situation. Did, did you kind of just lose each other? Or do you lose yourself? Yeah, yeah uh, pro possibly both. Certainly lost myself. Um, he's an incredibly strong um, man. Um I I went all in on the team, I think. Um, we both made sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he was just looking after himself, I, you know, but just speaking from my point of view, um, I went all in on the shared goal. Mm. 
and I did lose myself and I think that's a huge part of what's tough on the relationship as well because I stopped being me in a lot of ways. I mean, in some ways I was more me than ever because I think, you know, that stubbornness and strength of driving towards a goal and all that kind of stuff is part of me. So those aspects dialed up. Um, But the rest of me got a bit lost along the way and that's not good for me and it's certainly not good for a relationship. Yeah. Feel free not to answer this if you don't want to, but I know when you go through the IVF process that they make you sign all the forms about what you will do with your embryos in the event that one of you dies or that you separate. And so when you did separate, did you have to make some hard decisions about those remaining embryos? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We had to make some hard decisions about those embryos at the clinic. Hmm. Which I guess... There are layers of grief happening here. Mm. There's the loss of your babies. There's the the donor egg not working either. Your relationship, but then also the loss of the potential. Mm. I just keep coming back to how you process that. Do you feel like you have? Oh, it's are still... you healing? Yes, definitely, absolutely, and I think. Um, the same aspects of my mindset um, that we've sort of, you know, talked about along the way. Like, you've got no choice, right? Like, I have to look at what's awesome about my life now and the things that I get to do because of the way that that turned out. Like, I don't, um, I can make different choices about how much work I need to do and therefore how much money I need to live on and therefore how much volunteering I can do or whether or not I... I don't know, before work in the morning, um, I just think, oh, actually, I want to go for a walk and a swim in the sea. That's what I'm going to do. There's nobody else that I have to like look after and feed and get ready for work and, you know, get ready for school and not get ready for work. He gets himself ready for work, but get ready for school. You know, so there's, you you turn, you, I, I think one has to turn to what is good and what can help yourself and humanity your community, it's kind of where I just tried to turn. Don't get me wrong, I still have some very sad days and the grief comes up and, you know, swamps me like a wave sometimes. Um, Matthew and I still talk about our children. Um, He has their names tattooed on his arm. We spend their birthday together every year. Um... We've talked about the fact that as our lives move on with other people or, you know, whatever, that's still really important to us. Um, We have two dogs that we share custody over. So they're still very much alive in my mind, the children are. And and at the same time... um, I don't know. You gear. I, I've had. Yes, I'm. Yes, I'm healing. Yes, I still live with it. Um, you know, you don't get over it. You just figure out how to live with it, and you get better at living with it. it doesn't occupy my waking moments so much mm. all the time. There's, I mean, I don't know if this this is kind of how you how you deal with this, but I know that when we've had close friends or people we even just know that get pregnant, you, you know, I've kind of have this little jealousy thing kicks in all, all of a sudden. Um, how do you navigate that when, you know, people around you are finding this joy in having babies? Yeah. Um, 
I think I've always been, mm, I'm fortunate in that I am fairly, I think, in touch with fairly, in touch with my feelings. I'm definitely a better adult now and, you know, doing better adulting now than I did back, you know, way back when. But I I recognise that I can have a lot of different feelings at once. And so when those things happen, and particularly when it's somebody really close to me and they say that they are pregnant and maybe it's somebody who's been trying for a long time and, you know, I am overwhelmed with joy. Like mm. there's so much joy and happiness. Um, I'm chuffed for them. There's also um, a fair dose of awe at the miracle of actually being able to pull that off because it's a miracle. Like it's Absolutely. just phenomenal. There's also, yeah, but a little bit of resentment, depending on the day, depending on the person, depending on how I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of resentment. Is there a good way to tell someone who has grief over the fertility process that, because I know I've got friends who really tiptoe around me that might have gone on to have their second or their third child Mm. in the process, you know, in the time that we've yet to have one mm. um is there a right way to do it no there's no wrong way either. like I, I gosh um isn't it lovely that our you know friends would want would know that that's going to be a hard thing for us and would tiptoe around that um I would hate it if they you know it's almost if, it, if we got wrapped up too much in cotton wool that's not great for me either um maybe that's personal you know maybe that's part of my own issues um, I love that they will say it and they'll include me in that as opposed to sheltering me from it because, you know, I, I want to feel loved and, and, you know, connected and part of a, a group and a team and I'm so happy for them. But I think it's probably where you tell them and how you tell them and I don't know how flippantly you deliver that news. If, if, if it was no big deal for you, then that's great for you. But it's a big deal for me to, yeah. you know, as in getting pregnant is a big deal for me. It might have been really easy for you, but try not to rub that in my nose. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. And we started the segment with this and people ask it all the time. How do you handle the question when people go, oh, so do you have kids? Mm. And it's usually in small talk, right? So sometimes it's people you don't even know very well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I I don't think I do it very gracefully. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. I'm not saying this is a great answer. But it's true to me. I, I want to um, – I don't want to pretend – I think it would be very disrespectful of Ella and Alfie to pretend that they didn't exist. So it's important for me to say yes – Yes, um, but I follow that up really quickly with, but they died young. Mm. And I leave it there with a very slammed door usually um, because the follow-up question is often, oh, how old were they? What happened? What Tell happened? me more. Tell me more. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to. And the follow-up question, I don't know if you've ever had this, like if you've um, miscarried and people say, how far along are you? Or if you've uh-huh. you know, lost children, you say, how old were they? People don't mean it this way, but it it you just it lands on you with judgment for me, and it lands on me with judgment around well, if it was early in your pregnancy, it's not as sad or as big a deal as if it was later in your pregnancy. If they were, if they died the day that they were born, which is you know our case, 
that's not as sad as if they died at four. And I'm I I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I just don't want anybody to have to make that call because your grief is your grief. So um, I shut the door hard on follow up questions, like really, really inelegantly hard. Yeah. And do people recoil? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. It's a pretty, um, you know, it's it's possibly not a very kind thing to do when somebody's just trying to like make small talk at a line in a buffet or something and they say that to you. Um, it's possibly not the most polite thing to land that on them. Um, I think you've earned the right not to have to think about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I've just got to do... Um, I've just got to do what I think is right by them and mm. by um, Matthew and I and what we've been through because it mattered to us. So, mm. Some people think when they start trying for a baby, bam, they'll fall pregnant. But for others, it can take years. They give everything a shot. Surgery, tests drugs, specialists. Switching up lifestyle choices can help, and this goes for guys too. The journey sperm undertake on their way to fertilise an egg has been likened to a human trying to swim thousands of kilometres. So it's obvious why it's essential to create a healthy environment for sperm production. Menovit is a male fertility supplement specifically formulated to support sperm health and motility. Made with a unique mix of antioxidants, it provides support during the conception journey, along with a healthy lifestyle. Menovit is available at leading pharmacies. For more information, head to elevit.co.nz. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories, or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week, we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture, and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything that you've you've learned going through your grief that you kind of wish you had have known earlier in the process? Like ways ways to sort of um, help heal yourself. Um, gosh, I wish I had a good answer for you on that because I should be, should be I should be able to um, speak from experience from a you know have some good wisdom. But it's just such a hard thing to go through. Um, and I think everybody is so different and their circumstances are so different. Um, I think one of the things that I felt hard was, um, of course, my loved ones and and the sort of um, like my psychologist, et cetera, um, didn't want me to feel like it was all my fault that the children died. But I do, we're never going to know the extent to which me pushing myself or whatever was was part of that equation. And I think that it's important, it was important for me um, that I acknowledge that um, and put my hand up to some culpability. 
I mean, other people do like ultra marathons while they're nine and a half months pregnant and still <sighs> manage to have babies. So, you know, uh, it's not a linear, um, not necessarily causation. But um, I think there was a time kind of quite early on in that grief where it just felt like we were just having, I was just having that fight with people who were trying to help me. They would say, it wasn't your fault. It was nothing to do with you. And I'd say, it was, it was. And I think the sooner that we got to a point where anybody who was in that conversation with me could recognise that we'll never know. And it's kind of a grey area. And I did what I thought was best at the time. And in hindsight, if we had all the facts, which we don't, I may have been able to make different decisions. But if we'd gotten to, I think it helped me to get to that place where it was a bit more like, I didn't know, I didn't know, and I don't know. And I did the best that I could with what I knew at the time and who I was at the time and who Matthew was at the time and how we were in this together. And I just have to be okay with that. And I think, you know... I. In hindsight, I wish I'd got to that place in that conversation a lot sooner. Like, it took me probably a good year to start to get to that place. And before then, it was just that, it was my fault. It was nothing to do with you, you know, kind of battle. That wasn't a helpful space to be in. Long answer, sorry, to the question. I'm so pleased that you have got there and I can appreciate the, the tension between other people just want to reassure you but you don't want to be reassured because you obviously felt very strongly at the time. But I'm I'm pleased that you're where you are now. Mm, thank you. I am as well. I'm a lot healthier for it, yeah, for yeah. being in that place now. And I want to talk about where you're at now mm. because one of the reasons we felt like we really wanted to represent stories that just didn't, you know, end tidily with a bow and a baby in the crib is because when you're in it, you don't know that that will be your outcome. And for some people, that is not their outcome. And I suppose what I want reassurance of, if you can provide it, is that there is life on the other side, that there is happiness, there is contentment, there is satisfaction, um, maybe even peace. Mm. Um, yes, there is those things. Um, I um, so I'm single now, and um, very happily so. Um, I still have absolute waves of sadness from time to time. There are still things that are hard and that blindside me from time to time. Um, but I am much more myself again after. Um, so it's been about three years since, um, just you know, three and a half years maybe since I made the decision and said I can't keep trying for living children. And in that time, uh, it was hard for for a while, and then I've started to just find myself again, which is nice, and that has been really, really powerful. Um, I make different decisions now. I can do different things. Um, I feel stronger. Um, as I mentioned before, I can make different choices because I'm not having to, um, like time, energy and money that um, raising children requires can go elsewhere. So partly they can go into me, partly I can do volunteering within my community, which I love, and 
you know, gosh, we need a lot of that. So it's good that some of us have got time and energy and headspace to do that. Um, money decisions are really different now. So um, I'm, I'm working a lot less so that I can do more volunteering, um, which is fine and good. Um, I have more that all of that income once I've paid my bill. It's all about me and, you know, smaller set of bills. I'm not, um, there's no children to feed and school and clothe and entertain. So I can be, um, can use my money in other ways. Um, but the money decisions are interesting because one of the things that I find myself a little bit worrying about, this is not going to give anybody hope for the future, but like what <laughs> happens when I get old? Like I haven't, I haven't got any children to look after me. Like who's going to make those decisions and what's going to happen? So look out nieces and nephews. Burden <laughs> um, is all on you. Um, so thinking about money in different ways there. Um, I hang out with great people, some who have children and some who don't. Um, I, f I reflect a little bit on whether I make different decisions um, sort of for, oh, this sounds really overstating it, but kind of for humanity. Like I don't have the Darwin drive to make big decisions around, you know, climate change and who I leave my house to and stuff like that to my offspring because that's such a, you know, I can think more about what's the best, who's who's best to leave my house to from a community point of view. So, and again, um, this is really overstating where I'm at. So just as an example of where that kind of line of thinking can go, you know, I think about um, land back and returning it to the iwi that I am privileged enough to be standing on that land on that I'm sure was ripped off them at some point in our country's history. When I'm, you know, I'm like I say, I'm still pretty selfish. I'm holding on to it for now. But when I'm gone, like who, like send it back. Some, mm. you know, like so things like that. I can make different decisions about because I'm not having to think about making sure that my children and their children and their children and that narrow sense of things are okay. You've got so much yeah. generosity Amazing. of spirit, um, both in the way that you're thinking and talking to us. I'm sure that this will resonate with people who have experienced this and want to feel seen mm. and they want their babies to be named and recognised. So, yeah, I guess we want to pay tribute to Ella and Alfie as well. And like the Samoan mothers said, you're a beautiful mama. Mm, thank you. Thank you. We always finish with a finish line segment. And we agonised over this a little bit this time because one of the questions is about um, humour and lightness. And so we're not going to finish with that one. We're hmm. going to start it as our finish line question one. And I've checked this with you because I, I didn't want it to hit the wrong note. But, you know, so much of your story is so intensely heartbreaking. But some of it has no doubt been a bit awkward or even there's been some humour to be found? Is that the case? For sure. And I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you, you know, here's an example of let's not alter the question set because of a thing that I went through, you know. It's both lovely to have that instinct, but also it's okay, we're all good. Um, humour in the moment isn't what I was feeling. And possibly I'm, you know, maybe I'm not a very jovial person anyway, so it's not one of my go-to emotions. I absolutely look back and um, see the funny side of things. But at the time, 
It was serious. It was a big deal. I was trying my hardest to reach this goal and do it together and everything felt quite precarious along the way. Mm. So um, in hindsight, yeah, there were things to laugh about, nothing, you know, nothing worth sharing. But it was, at the time, humour wasn't my go-to. No. I know it's a coping strategy for some, but everyone, Mm. everyone is different. So that's completely valid. And yeah, things look different in hindsight when you're not in the intensity of the, and the desperation. Which is also part of it, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so question two is is one that um, I, I love this one as well because people love to stick their oar in and and give um, advice when you're struggling to conceive. What's the what's the worst person somebody? Well, what's the worst <laughs> thing somebody said to you or most unhelpful piece of advice? Hmm. <laughs> Do you know there's one that's jumping out that I'm going to decline to share? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was brutal. Okay. It was after the children died and that was a brutal piece of a just get over it advice. Um, oh, yeah. You don't even need to tell us to yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're trying for children, um, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of advice that comes your way. Hey, I think... Um, Gosh, it's so dependent on the day and on the situation and who's giving the advice. I, I think um, when I scan back through, it's the advice that's given with judgment or flippancy or shoulds. You know, you should do this, you should do that. That is kind of in the category of not helpful, particularly if it's unsolicited, you know, from a stranger. Like, just back off, lady. You know, that's that was not advice that I was generously receiving um I think unasked for advice is tricky ground full stop um I think people who are really close to you um it's great you know you might you might need some advice that you're not going to like and that you wouldn't ask for so that's important but unsolicited and judgmental and full of shoulds is not not that's not good advice. So if you're going to uh, offer some advice that's not asked for, just take a pause and think, does this person want what I'm about to offer mm. or should I just keep my mouth shut? Mm. <laughs> not that I ever do that, you know, but I try. I try, but that's certainly the goal. Yeah. What would you tell someone um, who is on this journey right now, maybe something that you would, you wish you had known earlier Speaking of unsolicited advice, what unsolicited <laughs> advice have you got for our listeners? <laughs> um, you know, I think I'd say all the best. Wishing yeah. you every, you know, well, luck and everything else through the journey. Um, I think probably for me the things I would, I would um, for anybody who is open to receiving advice, um, some things that I wish I'd done differently and known is probably where I'd, where I'd sit my advice. So... Remember who you are um, and make sure that you hold on to that. Um, I think one way, you know, this really swamps, for me it swamped my identity and and everything about me was about this in our business and that was, you know, that was what it was all about. Um, I think for me it would have been useful to remember that one of the reasons why I wanted children, I wanted a family, is for love and connection and, you know, those social connections and love and caring for one another, etc. 
And I think it would have been useful for me to remember that that's one way to achieve those things. And if I had been able to um, sort of fill my life with fulfilling that need in other ways, it might not have sucked so much when I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have had so much investment in the the fertility journey because I would have been having those needs met beautifully elsewhere. Yeah. If if the reason that you're doing it is for, you know, legacy, then find other ways as well, alongside going through this journey, but maybe find other ways to think about the legacy that you might leave and what's important to you. I mean, I don't know, those are just no, those are some Top awesome of things mm. to think about. Yeah. And we've we'll kind of touched on this last question a little bit already, but it's about um, how people best help people they know going through infertility. Mm. You know, we've talked about just unsolicited advice, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is hard for other people when you're watching your friends or your family go go through it. Um, yeah, is, is there a good way to help? Oh, again, you'd think I'd have a better answer for this given my more than a decade, but um, it's hard. I think... Um, I don't know, everyone's so different. I think, you know, listening is always great. Matching their mood is always great. So when I was trying to be optimistic for people to go, oh, hang on, you know, this might not go your way, that was hard for not me to handle. Helpful. Yep. Um, so I think kind of taking your cues from the person's mood and tone and if they're in a sad moment, be there with them and if they're in an optimistic moment, be there with them, I think is probably what I seek to do now. I don't know if... We should, I should ask if that's landing okay with the people around me. Um, I do think that if you are close to the person and you're really worried for them because of some action that they're taking or an action that they're taking, or like for me, for example, I think people around me could probably see that I was losing myself through this. Um, yeah, the people who are really close to you, I think, say something. Um, and help them remember who they are and find joy in other areas of their life and maybe help them to reflect on the stories that they're telling about themselves to themselves because there's good stories and bad stories, helpful stories and unhelpful stories. And I think for me, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but if you're always giving advice, maybe save your if, – if you're in that position, maybe – Save your advice or your moments of intervention until you really want it to count because if you're offering advice and chipping in and stuff all along the way, when you really feel like, okay, I really need to say something now, I think I had more deaf ears to when my family stepped in in those moments because I'd been like, oh, yeah, this is just more of the same of what you've been chattering about. But they'd been gently trying to say some stuff to me and then they were like, hey, Emma, <laughs> and it was too late by that stage. Oh, look, I think that's some um, some brilliant words of wisdom that have been hard won through an intense and life-altering journey. And all I can say is thank you for being so open mm. with us. And if it's all right, I'd like to give you a hug. because I don't know if you're a hugger, oh, but I feel like I'd like to give well, you Well, <laughs> yeah, I will happily receive a hug and give one back. I, I think, you know, thank you. I hope this is useful for somebody. It's... Um, I don't feel very wise or very graceful or very enlightened, but um, and I feel like I've just talked about all the Debbie Downer stuff. Sorry, Debbie's out in the world. All the Downer stuff. <laughs> yeah, Debbie's um, and Karen's Debbie's, have had a hard I time. Know, hard time. <laughs> um, but and it, it's always a woman's name as well. The mm. Daryl Downers. Um, I sorry, Daryls. 
There is heaps of joy through this process. There is heaps of levity. There is a lot of levity. I'm not, you know, maybe riffing on those ones. Um, there is pain, but there is growth. You know, there is post-traumatic growth. I know that that's a buzzword right now, but it's a thing. I feel stronger and um, in many ways more fulfilled, in some ways still absolutely reeling from loss and you know, paths not taken and all that kind of stuff. But there's hope. I live a good life. Yeah. We're going to hold on to hope. Yeah. And thanks for sharing a message of hope. It wasn't a Daryl Downer or a Debbie Downer. It was your story. And, and thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. Come here. <laughs> You've been listening to The Human Race, a podcast from Wabi Sabi Media and Stuff. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify or any other podcast app. And please leave a review. It helps other people discover this important content. You can also listen at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace. We'd also love to hear from you. Email thehumanrace at stuff.co.nz and follow us at facebook.com slash thehumanracenz or on Insta at thehumanracenz. The Human Race was produced by me, Dan Higgins. And me, Nadine Higgins. Audio editing and mixing by John Rokeha. The associate producer was Jen Black. And executive producer was Chris Reed. Thanks very much for listening. That was The Human Race, which was proudly brought to you by Alibit. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. Always read the label, follow the directions for use. Vitamin and mineral supplements are not a substitute for a balanced diet. If you have a baby with a neurotube defect or spina bifida, seek specific medical advice. Bay and New Zealand Limited, Auckland. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, that, I think Chris, that, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.